Hello and welcome to Shop Small, Eat Big, where each episode we'll be speaking to an artisan food or drink business, baking, brewing, creating, making fantastic produce and selling it throughout the UK. We get under the hood to understand what inspired them, how the business got started and the detail and love that goes into their products. Hope you enjoy listening. If you do, please give us a like, share, follow on our social media page, Pueblo UK, and any comments, please feel free to reach out on our contact email, hello at pueblofood.co. In this week's episode, another mighty duo, albeit this time not as common to see. Mother-in-law Marta, son-in-law Facundo, with Marta representing past nuts on the American side of the pond and Facundo holding up the fort in the UK. Paz is a true representation of a company that's on a social mission via their Paz Foundation. Paz not only ensures its supply chain is paid fairly at each step and is also clear and transparent, but even going as far as to assist farmers, such as in Argentina, to obtain the correct licensing they require to export their high quality produce, tackling educational needs and offering professional training on things like sustainability practices. So a thoroughly interesting business with some high quality produce that is being brought to us um, ever so fortunately into the UK. Enjoy the episode. Paz Nuts. Um, This is, I think, a really, really interesting story that uh, I'm quite excited to to, to listen and and hear a little bit more about. Um, But I suppose a, a really sort of easy question to to start off with for, and this, and this goes for either of you um wh- whoever answers it but um what, what what was the beginning for you in in terms of why you felt that you needed to set up Paznats and yeah actually uh, the our business kind of we started daydreaming a long time ago we were it was a winter night in london <laughs> very, oh, very cold, cold one then yeah, very cold night. I, I think, so, sorry, Mark, I think that it's really important to start with saying that uh, we are mother-in-law. Um, um, so oh, Martha yes. is my mother-in-law, actually. Yes. <laughs> so it's a family yeah. business. It's a family <laughs> business, though your daughter thinks I'm your mother because we're always on the phone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, she says, how come she is... Uh, She's talking to her mother and says, how come she is your mother and not daddy's mother if they talk all day long? And I said, well, you know, she must have heard me saying, Facundo, this is what you should be doing. (laughs) (laughs) It happens that way. But sorry, I I thought that it was important to to make that comment that, yeah, it's a family business and not any normal family business. It's mother-in-law. It's it's a very abnormal family business. But what's uh, that like? Was that was that difficult to start off with? Because I mean, there's a saying. I mean, well, sorry, there isn't a saying, but it, but in the UK, it's quite common for um, for a guy to make a derogatory comment about their mother-in-laws. 
Um, it, it's a when I say derogatory, I just simply mean they, you know, oh, you know, they're not friends. Worldwide, but whenever I find any cartoon or any comic strip or any uh, joke about mother-in-laws, I'm the first to send it to my son-in-law. <laughs> I, I have to say that um, I'm, I'm not going to make any jokes about this. I think uh, Marta is the best mother-in-law that I could have uh, gotten and the best business partner ever. Uh, everything is really easy. So no... No jokes about it. That's the reality. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're really uh, good partners. It's uh, sometimes funny to say, "Okay, you're my partner," and uh, but when we work, we work. And yeah. uh, it's a family situation. We take things differently. But well, going back to our story, we were walking. It was cold. And we were going out to dinner. And there was this lottery um, that we had decided to put a pound or two pounds each. It was like six pounds. Um, my daughter was also taking part in it. It was a big amount of money that if you won it. So we started daydreaming what we would do if we uh, won the lottery. And of <laughs> course, going on a trip, buying a bigger house, all the stuff. But the three of us coincided in giving back, giving back in the form of giving jobs and doing yeah. something for the environment. Of course, yeah. we didn't win anything, but uh, we said, hey, why don't we start a business so we can give jobs and educate people to make this place we live in a little better? And, well, I used to be a Girl Scout, and that, that was something that um, we were kind of brainwashed. Yeah, you get drilled into that, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. And, uh, well, so this, uh, that's how we started, thinking about something that we could use as a business, get money from the business, uh, give people the possibility to work with us, and... Yeah use some of the profits to educate people towards sustainability, towards a better way of um, working the land, a way, a, a better way of living. And also yeah. teaching people how to eat healthy food because we are not, we are not, we don't know enough about food, I think. When I say we as people in general, right? We are... I mean, it's easier to go to the grocery store and buy something ready-made. Absolutely. And, yeah. What are we eating? Yeah. You know, what we are, what we eat. But what are we eating? Do we yeah. ever read the labels? <laughs> so, well, that's... I think people are doing this more often, though. I mean, we, we've li I literally had this conversation in the in the last podcast that I recorded that I think people now in this generation more than ever are. Yeah. Yeah, they are picking up that label. They do, or just broadly, they they do generally care um, about what they're eating. I think more so. I mean, not I'm not saying that everyone does. I'm just saying that the, it's becoming more, you know, apparent now that that people do care about where where you know the origination of products, how um, how it was made, how it's brought in, and you know all the rest. These people are taking more time to cook, which is also good. Um, I don't know if it was COVID or what, but people started cooking more meals at home. 
and that's good too because yeah. you know what you put into your pot yeah so, absolutely and so was- that's to everything now uh, every nut that is in the house goes into a sauce into my pasta dish into <laughs> yeah i can imagine yeah you, you you get you get you get three courses out of that a day quite easily i suppose <laughs> we do. We yeah do. but was was uh, you know when, when you um you know when you bought your lottery ticket and you're having a conversation about you know all, all the many things or you know and setting up a business was was clearly clearly one of those and and the, and the mission was to give back, but setting up a business, obviously very, yeah, all encompassing was, was nuts an area of like speciality for, for, for either of you two? Like, did you, did you both, uh, either of you have any expertise in, in the importation of nuts or just generally having an understanding about, um, no. about these products or was this, was just something that you just sort of fell into naturally? Like how, how did that come about? There's plenty of business ideas out there. (laughs) My husband has a blueberry business and he imports and exports blueberries. So the import-export part of the business we knew about. The thing is, I didn't want to work with any more perishable (laughs) food because it's it's really hard. Um, I wanted to work with food and, well, so did Facundo and... We wanted something that had good shelf life, that was nutritional, but also had good um, shelf life. Did you have uh, other ideas other than <clears throat> other than nuts? Were you close to uh, to doing something else? Well, I, I, I think I mean we both Marta and me we are from Argentina, mm. so the amount of really great quality products that are produced in Argentina. Uh, fruit, vegetables, uh, meat as well. Um, yeah. But when we when we started toying with the idea of setting up this business, uh, naturally we started asking friends and colleagues about um, well this idea that we had that we wanted to do something with this. And then uh, one day we met with this person who was connected with the nut business in Argentina. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that one thing followed the other one, uh, followed the other ones, and, <laughs> and we ended up contacting this pecan nut producer. Uh, and well, uh, one phone call, then personal meeting, and then we ended up traveling to this province in Argentina where they produce amazing pecan nuts. And wow. he showed us around the farm, uh, and we kind of fall in love uh, with, uh, with the, the idea. Uh, the way they produce, um, the love that is put into every single detail of the process, right? And Mm. we said, okay, why don't we give this a try? And that's how we started. We also knew that we wanted to uh, put a a brand together uh, because we had all these like strong... Uh, values, ideas that we wanted to portray uh, and we felt that only with like the import and export side of things we were not going to be able to really get to that end consumer and, and in a way educate them on like what a premium nut should taste like. Um, yeah, I suppose when you're wholesale that's that's the way isn't it? It's very much you, you sort of don't need to, it's just all about sort of displaying you know the, the the product information. It doesn't necessarily need a 
need a story behind it. I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm sure wholesalers do do care, but I think they don't care as much as a consumer. I think it's. Um, I think when you're building a brand, it's it's so much more important to to, to do it when you're consumer facing as opposed to being, um, you know, just just yes. selling with the trade or, or the wholesale. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. With 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 branding, guys, I, I suppose Paz Paz to me just just as the name is just quite striking. Um, what what where does that sort of name derive from and and get its meaning from? We wanted a premium product, and um, it had to be a, something excellent, premium, from the beginning to the end, and. Well, we were joking with the alphabet. Uh, you know, when you have two, three-year-olds at home, I have some other grandkids. Uh, they are with their ABCs, and so beginning to end. And um, I come from the field of philosophy. Uh, mm. Neither Facundo nor I are um, business people. We have different backgrounds. Uh, I used to be a professor, and uh, I said Alpha Omega, and that was too complicated. So we said A Z. <laughs> So premium from A to Z. But the coincidence is that Paz is the name of Facundo's daughter, my granddaughter. Uh, so ah, all right. Yeah. Uh, Paz yeah, so. means peace in Spanish. There's multiple meanings to this then. Yeah. So it was it was just kind of it was perfect almost then that, that it had all of those meanings all in one. Yeah. yeah I, I remember that uh, I don't know, we've been throwing out names up in the air for two weeks and then suddenly I send Marta like a, a document for something like random and she got back to me saying, pass. And that was it. That was <laughs> yeah. it. Like, Done. it was like, yes, absolutely. Um, and in, deal. in a way, it summarizes our values like uh, premium, like family like compromise like commitment like um so there it goes the problem is we will have when they have more kids we will have to start new businesses (laughs) (laughs) new businesses or you know different different products maybe who who knows yeah 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 sure sure um what did you find were the biggest I mean, if you did, um, what what did you guys find as the sort of greatest challenges for for you guys to set up? And I think the thing that comes to mind for me personally first, as somebody that runs runs a business, is communication with with your people. Um, Facundo is is sitting in the UK. You, Marta, you're sitting in the in the States, and your suppliers are you know, largely down in, in Argentina and maybe in some other locations as well. I mean, that, that for me stands out, but w- what, what did you guys sort of find as the sort of main challenges and setbacks that you faced when you were first getting it going? Well, we will need an, an extra hour to talk about this. <laughs> you must be able to yeah. summarize. If we can get, if we can get that, we get the high level, please. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think uh, that one of the biggest challenges that we face and um, we still face nowadays is to be able to balance uh, this social side, which is one of the main problems uh, within our business and what we want to achieve. Uh, we have this plan of setting up a foundation 
uh, based uh, in the USA, but also working with charities all over the world, really. Uh, and this idea of a premium product that no business around the world is really putting into packages and distributing. Um, because maybe like one might think, okay, yes, so all this social side, you want to help, you want to yeah. make something that is available to everyone, but at the same time, you are putting a premium product on the shelves um, that, yeah, it might be a, a bit more pricey than like the regular one that you buy uh, from Major, major retailers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's something that we are constantly like looking for ways of communicating our values and making people understand that when you work with like small farms, which is what we do, and not only from Argentina, like really, like we distribute uh, fresh uh, products year round. So like the first part of the year, we work with the South Hemisphere. So that's Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, South Africa, even Vietnam. And the second part of the year from the North Hemisphere, mainly the US, uh, um, Turkey and other countries. Um, but we are really trying to get to those smaller farms, um, underrepresented uh, places. So not only with these massive uh, growers that distribute uh, millions of farms. Corporations of that have all the, that can do things easily. We want to, in a way, we want to help the farmer that gets up at the crack of dawn and works hard and doesn't have the means to put their product, their excellent product on the shelves so we try buying from small producers yeah Was that, 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 and that's an excellent mission and i and i think that deserves an, an applause and you know lots of people you know they want to um you know support support local um support the smaller the smaller farmers and i think you can clearly see you know the purchasing that you give to them when you buy their products you 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 see where it goes i think don't you um oh. you know they may you know they have they have kids themselves or you know they have overheads and i think that's really important but i guess it's also really good that they also really care and that they're in the business for for the love of what they do not just um you know not just not just a profiteer um yeah. was it, it did you find also- it difficult to source like, or, you know, the contacts were sort of large, largely already there. Well, Facundo is a great detective and um, he is in charge of finding amazing growers. And he deals with uh, all the grower, uh, grower and uh, produce operation. Yeah, I mean, it's not definitely, I wouldn't say one second that it's an easy things to do uh, more uh, when, because at the end of the day it's not only finding the producer um, in conversations about the products that they have and how they produce it and the quality and usually arranging samples so we can um, try them out but also there is a, a big thing about certifications uh, worldwide which is also like a key thing for producers uh, if they want to face an export market and reach other countries. Uh, and that's also something that, like most of like the small producers, they don't hold these uh, certifications on paper, although their traceability is always super transparent because they are usually in charge of uh, growing, harvesting, 
processing uh, and exporting themselves. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, if you don't have that paper saying that you do all these under good practice, um, it's, it's sometimes difficult. So we are also involved in all the political side of things to help these growers achieve these certifications in different countries, mainly in South America. Um, other countries are already regulated and it's easier. Um, but, and they have, yeah. but also they have more money to pay for international certifications. They are they are not cheap, I would say. Mm. So you you're actually, I mean that's amazing. So so you guys are in certain areas with your suppliers. You're you know you're not just buying from them, but you're actually um, helping them obtain the certification standards that yeah. enable them to export their product not just to not just to you but to um you know to, to others around the world who who want exactly. to, to buy from we them. Cannot, yeah we cannot not do that uh, Alistair. we can i mean i would say that 70 percent of i mean we also have connections with more established growers and we distribute products without without any any issues let's say uh, but when we come across a grower that you know that they take care of every single tree that they have uh, within their plantation we cannot just like say okay well if you don't have certifications i cannot work with you that's mm -hmm. it um, so that's another of the biggest issues that we face at the moment that the amount of work that goes behind the scenes uh, for our projects I think it's maybe three or four times uh, more time consuming. But you've goes, given yourself uh, a lot of work, haven't you? I mean, you. I I, I find this really interesting, right? Because you could you could run this business a lot easier than what you're doing, but <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> but you're making the sacrifice to you know a sort of help other people especially your your own suppliers and to you know bring bring them up help them sell more help help them economically especially in 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 regions and in countries where there potentially is a lot less support from yes. from 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 a government or from communities relative to say the United States and the UK where you could argue that, that you know fully developed economies is a lot of support um, it's easier in yeah. both countries, way easier. But, um, but for the consumers as well, but, you, but you're doing it, I think, for your, your, your consumers as well, right? You know, you want to give them, uh, you want to, I mean, because people, people can buy pecans and walnuts and, uh, and other type of nuts anywhere, but, but I think you've made a very clear distinction about sort of who, who, who you want to be and what you want to do. And as I said, it, it, <laughs> you've not made it easy for yourself, no, but you're no. doing it, but, but the reasons why you're doing it, I think that's a, I think that's a really important sort of story to, to, yeah, to, and, to and tell. And it's not, not, not only uh, just our relationship directly with one particular grower, uh, but also making different growers understand that this is not like a one company job like uh, like for instance in a country like argentina uh, we are in contact with different growers for different types of products and also with 
the chamber of those particular products and trying to make them understand that if they want to face an export um, operation, they, we need to work together. So yeah. now, for instance, with the pecan industry in Argentina, that it's a massively growing industry, year by year it's growing 30%. It's a very young industry. Uh, we have connected like the four main uh, companies for pecans, the Chamber of Pecans, and the UK, uh, the British Embassy in Argentina, and the Argentinian Embassy here in, in the UK, and say, okay, like we have this massive project that is growing 30% year on year. Uh, there is a buyer at the other end of the chain. How yeah. can we do this to work and really make it the best possible way? And we are in the process of doing it. We, like, we are giving very positive steps. Uh, the growers are very receptive. Like The political side of it is also getting to understand that it's important that they, they give help and support in any possible way. So... Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a lot of work, but when you see like positive results happening, uh, it's kind of that fuel that keeps you going. Yeah, it's the, uh, and I think the, you know these are the sort of stories that. I mean, it was one of the fundamental reasons why this podcast was set up. For example, was that I think that the companies that make the headlines the vast majority of the time you know that can pay for the ad, you know for the big tv adverts are the companies with you know with inf infinite budgets and um a lot of resources and it's it's companies like like paz um you know that, that don't have those kind of resources to hand at, at the very moment but um have a very compelling mission and bring a very premium product into the market that consumers would enjoy consuming. Um, but you've, you know, but there's been a lot of attention to detail in in the whole supply chain. And I think it's fair to assume that you're sort of going above and beyond <laughs> what, what is reasonably ex expected of a business to do. Um, you know, you know what, what happens, Alistair, like when you come across a grower, for instance, in Argentina, uh, or you come across a plantation in the north of Argentina that it's set out in this uh, hill and the quality of the product that comes out from that crop uh, is two and sometimes I would say like three times better than any other one. Why, why, why is that so good? Why, why is that so good? I mean, yeah, so, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Like, you've got the pecans and the walnuts and you've got some others. Like, what, what makes... You yes. know, Paz nuts, so yeah. high quality. Basically, uh, soil, good soil, and don't laugh at me, love what you do, passion mm. in what you do. Mm. And uh, they are very committed to doing things right. Yeah. And uh, that makes a difference. What yeah. you, yeah. The way you harvest, the way uh, you prune your trees, um, that's also plus weather that is, is so so important. You, if you have a constant um, amount of rain or sun or winds, that uh, that's also good. Yeah. yeah, and also for for instance, like with walnuts in Argentina, in some of the regions that we source our products from, like uh, plantations are um, 
higher up on the ground than other other regions of Argentina or the US. So the soil uh, combined with the weather, like good weather conditions, uh, mm. and also once you harvest the walnuts, for instance, you have two options. Once you have that uh, nut out of the tree, you, you need to go through like a drying process so the humidity inside the nut is um, proper. Uh, and you can dry that product with machines and that's a much faster process uh, or you can dry them on the sun uh, under the sun uh, and we try to work with these producers that they dry the, the walnuts under the sun although it takes more time to do it because they can it's more natural it's how like naturally how the, the walnut would uh, do if there, there wasn't any human behind it doing it yeah uh, do you think you get a better taste from that it's you like get a like drying tomatoes, <laughs> sun dry than in the oven. That's different. And it's a, it's an art, you know. Like uh, it's not the same to harvest your production uh, on a Monday when it should be harvested than on a Wednesday. Like the quality of uh, a nut changes drastically, like from one week to the other. So it's a process when you don't have. Uh, acres and acres and fields of uh, orchards to harvest, you can give that extra love and extra and care to the same thing to harvest at 5 a.m. when the leaves of the trees are wet because moisture, they're not noon, that they are dry. So when you have uh, small productions, you, you can have that. You can harvest any time is better for your product. When you have huge plantations, you cannot do that. You start whenever you have to start. Yeah. We're talking about nuts in the same sort of descriptive detail as if you were wine winemakers. Um, and I think it's very synonymous with consumers um you know the, the wine industry has very clear um has has a clear story and narrative um and people like hearing the story it, it's interesting that in industries such as the the one that you guys are operating in there there seems to be as much detail from the the, the growing process into ensuring um that the crop is is absolutely world class quality, grown in the correct conditions, and and picked at the right time. You got to go into the same amount of detail as that, but yeah, it doesn't feel, at least at the moment, for, you know, down to the consumer side, that that sort of level of love and detail has sort of properly been conveyed. I, I suppose without putting the words into your mouth, that must be a mission of yours to to achieve, and why you set out to um, you know to set up as. It is. It is 100%. And I think that up to now, uh, consumers, they, like, they know what a walnut or a pecan should taste like because like the supermarkets told you that's how uh, walnuts or pecans or almonds should taste like. Uh, and when we started traveling around different countries and, and trying different products, it was okay. No, there is something much, much better than that. 
um, in terms of not only in terms of flavor, but also in terms of color. Um, so many um, bakeries are starting to realize that our products are much better looking than than others out there. Yeah. The shelling the shelling process is also like a process that. Um, it's super important because if you shell them in a certain way, the nuts get all like nipped and scratched. But also the processes that our growers use is much slower, but the quality, the, the final quality of that kernel, the meat inside the walnut or the pecan is much nicer as well. So you, you have a pastry business and you put one walnut or pass walnut on top of that pastry and the look of it is so much better and premium. Yeah. And it's good that, as you say, that people are now, you know, they're beginning to notice that a lot more and it's about the finer details. Um, so that's kind of leads me on to, to my next question really, um, which is, you know, you've set up the business, you've made a very clear, um, you know, you have very clear morals and, 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 and guidelines over you know, how you want to run the company. Um, when it comes to selling at the moment, I mean, I suppose that, you know, Facundo, you're, you're sort of here in the UK and uh, the sort of spokesperson for, for the business in the UK. Marta, I'm sure you're you know, the same in the US. H- how, um, how did you guys get started in terms of, um, you know, laying out paths to prospective buyers, whether that's to the trade, you know, wholesale or, or down into sort of reaching the consumers? What, what's, what's the strategy and, and how are you guys executing that at the moment? Um, as, as Marta said a few minutes ago, um, we both came from other industries, so we have no contacts, uh, we have no experience, uh, we have no idea how this, like how to approach people and what's the way of like selling uh, a product. So it was a big, still is massive learning curve every single day. It's a new day for us. I mean, yeah, with, with its own challenges. So happy um, to be in between inverted commas. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, Alex and bold type. Yes, there's, there's there's no perfect answer, is there? I mean, people people sell things in different ways, and you 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 play around with different strategies. I I suppose what I what I was keen on understanding is that I think you've got a really clear story, and you tell it really well. Um, it it's just m- making that making that uh, ma- making other people, I suppose, aware of that, or potential buyers aware of why this is such a such a high quality product vis a vis what what else is going on in the market and who currently sort of has been showing yes. sort of the, the most amount of interest one of our uh, when we, pro- we introduce our products our story is something important uh, people really get very interested in uh, tasting the product after tasting the product that's right. what uh, somebody told me the other day at the at my local grocery store she says uh, you have spoiled me I say, why? It says, because now I cannot go to, I'm not going to say the place, um, <laughs> and buy nuts there anymore because they taste awful. You can say it, by the way. We're not under any exposure. Uh, is it Whole Foods or someone, someone like that? Right? Uh, they go, she used to go to Costco where you buy huge quantities and they, they don't have bad products. They have good products. I sometimes shop there too. 
But uh, she says, now I cannot get my nuts from Costco. I have to come to you because. Yeah. What, what have you done to me? Yeah. This is yeah. Um, convert the world. I, I think, yeah, in terms of uh, selling. So basically with Pass, we have two commercial uh, channels. One is the bulk side of things, the wholesale side of things. Yeah. Um, buyers, they are, I mean, being a commodity, nuts are a commodity. So buyers are a bit more aware of the prices that they want to achieve. So we also, so that that side of things, let's say that it's a bit more straightforward. Uh, we have access to this amount of product at this price, uh, this quality, you want it or not. Uh, I assume I you're right say- at the top there, right? I assume, I assume you guys make a very clear distinction between, you know, yes, Mr. Buyer, uh, you, you know, inherently aware of what you're used to buying but do, do, do you think that you know once they've tasted them or, or at least looked at them they can see the quality right and they're prepared to pay that price I, I suppose there's probably some some people that just go you know we, we want the lowest price possibly available please um, that's always difficult yes. I think isn't it it, it happens uh, in the UK it does happen although uh, more and more buyers are coming to your realization that we do have access to amazing product. Uh, a market like Italy, that we, we do sell a lot of uh, nuts, they do pay the premium because they, they take every single shipment, they get the quality that they pay for. Uh, yeah. With the UK market, it's something that we are still trying to understand we are working maybe like in potentially bigger projects, like with this pick and nut uh, project that I told you about before. Uh, we are in conversations with a, a few big distributors to see if they, uh, it's something that they will be more interested as, as, as a whole idea. Yeah. Now, within the retail, is something that we are still trying to break through uh, because the same, they uh, like buyers of the other. At the other end, they look mainly at prices and yeah. they compare with like uh, the, the usual brands that are out there without really realizing that people are ready. And we are not talking about like not even not two pounds of difference, not even one pound of difference, maybe not even right. like 50, 50p, right? Like, um, if that's the yes, reality, really. So, yeah. you, you, you really, so you're really not that far away in terms of you know, pricing versus what you would describe as quite a significant distinction between the way in which your suppliers grow the the nuts that you source versus a, you know, large mass produced, um, you know, not, not necessarily, you know, super caring about the, you know, say, for example, the shelling process that you described to me, there's lots of scratches and dents on them, et cetera, et cetera. So you're saying from a pricing perspective, there's not a huge... There's not actually a big differential. There's just, there's a, there's a slight difference there, but it's not not no, huge, no, right? No, it's not. It's not like we are talking about maybe like 50p um, on a package. It's really like uh, not not a big difference. Um, we are not going to move from there. So like every single brand that we see out there, they don't go for this product. They don't use this product. Uh, even the um, the big distributors that they supply to big supermarket chains, they they just don't want to even think about doing something like this because of like pricing. So yes, our margins uh, are 
much lower than the big supermarket chains, but we are not going to compromise on that. We are, no. we, we just won't. We will keep on doing that, and we are getting very positive feedback from this. When so we started the business. We said, okay, what do we want to do? And we thought of three uh, like mottos: um, embrace quality, think green, and give back. And we are abiding by our rules. <laughs> by those principles, yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, think, think green. Your, you know, moral number two that you mentioned there. I think that's so apparent and so on 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 trend at the moment. Um, I'm just, you know, curious to know, with regards to think green, what what is it that you do? How how do you apply that that kind of moral and principle into into your business? To today, I mean, even I suppose in things like the packaging, you have to now be so. I think people are aware yeah. and they're very conscious about how 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 you know how it's presented. Obviously, there are various others ways, but packaging always stands out to me anyway as a, as a consumer. Um, not there least with plastic are other details, like okay, if I have to go and uh, deliver product, I just do all the deliveries or I try to get all the deliveries on the same day. So there is no, no more emissions, carbon emissions than necessary, for example. Mm. Or we also try to go paperless with invoicing or there's more than just the packaging. Yeah. Which by the way is recyclable um, yeah, just just to yeah. add, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, yeah. some, some of it is because uh, there's a challenge with uh, shelled nuts. They, uh, there's some oil in the nut, so you cannot use totally compostable material sometimes, um, like paper. And uh, mm. sometimes you need something different. And we're, but we are working on it. We're we're working hard. You, you are. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like it. It comes across very much so. There, there is like um, we we have so many projects with in terms of like making this industry not our project, not only our project, but this industry uh, a bit more sustainable. It's just that every time we say okay, we should tell people that we are doing this, and we also try not to say a lot of what we haven't done yet uh, although we are making positive steps we are working i mean i don't know if i if i should be telling this but like we are working on a massive project on reusing all the nutshells but that's as much as i can say ah, uh, yeah. uh, we're going to shop small wheat big first Done. No, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, with that and all like really helping growers with like the, all the traceability side of things, so that the yeah. way that they harvest the, the, their plantations and well, yeah. So we have really strong goals, although we like we are one one year old business, so we are very very young. Uh, yeah, yeah. You have to start somewhere. Well, guys, um, I, I think our listeners today have got you know. A really, really thorough understanding about not not just the, the the products. I think that's been really clearly defined, but but also um, properly understood 
what Paz Nuts really stands for. Uh, and I think it's it's fantastic to see that there are businesses like yours around at the moment that really you know, have very well-defined and established principles for, for setting up the company. Um, you know, it's for, it's for profit, but it's not profiteering and, and it's giving back um, and you're, and you're delivering a, you know, a, a premium product into the market, which is, um, you know, absolutely superb. So um, we certainly wish you a, you know, all, all the success for, uh, for at least in the short term, the, the coming year on the million and one projects um, that, <laughs> that you guys seem to be working on. Um, and thank you very much for, um, uh, for being on today. Thank you for this. Thank you. thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alistair. It was a pleasure. And uh, I have to just uh, to finalize here in the UK and soon in the US as well. Not only the raw nuts uh, we do, but also we have a, a range of honey roasted nuts and roasted and salted nuts that are as amazing and with high quality ingredients. Um, and kind of that sounds awesome kind of healthy they are lightly salted and they don't have that much honey <laughs> there is there is nothing nothing wrong with it with a little bit of that and it just adds a new dimension to to what you guys offered so that's a, a fantastic addition to the uh, to the end of that cast um and that's clearly of interest to me as well personally so I'll be taking you up on that offer for complaint. We, we, we send you we'll send you some more products <laughs> so you can try it. thanks guys yeah.